Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Jumped into a mini Easter mini series, and we titled it The Threat. That's why you saw that back there, The Threat. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit more today. And, 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 and this is the second installment of it. And as we end it on Easter, we, we taught a little bit about what it meant for threat. You know, someone came up to me during the week and they said, you know, when you, st- when you guys started to put up the graphic and you started to talk about the threat, I was, I was a little concerned. I was worried about, like, how are they going to tie that in to Easter? What in the world does that mean, the threat? And how is that going to make any sense? But after you've preached and after you've done what God has poured in your heart, now I get it. And I thank you for sharing that. And I hope last week, if you were here, it blessed you. And if you're here today and you're like, well, what happened last week? We do encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. We have an, an app, New Life Miami. You could find it. We have a podcast. We have a website. And, and go back and listen to our message and all our messages and, and, and see what, where, where we were and how we've gotten to where we're at right now as we look at the second part. Amen? Um, today, if you're taking notes, if you want to know more or less what direction I'm going to be heading in, uh, last week we spoke about the threat before you. Say that with me, the threat before you. Yeah. And today what we're going to discuss is the threat in you, the threat in you. And um, I, I really hope that as we end uh, today's message that, that you, you really understand what that phrase means, the threat in you. Because, because last week I said, how many of you have ever been threatened before and um, in, in some capacity, in, in some way or another? And, and some of you guys nodded your head and were like, yeah, you know, in some way or another I was threatened with something in my life. But now uh, at the end of today, I'm going to flip it on you and say, um, not only might you have been threatened, but now you become the threat in this world. And I really hope that that challenges you today. I'm going to give you a little summary of last week. Last week we spoke about the threat before us. And, and we went into that, and it was Palm Sunday. And on Palm Sunday, Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the crowds, if you remember, were chanting, and they were putting palm branches on the floor. And Jesus was entering into Jerusalem on that donkey, and the crowd was singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was an amazing scene. It was an amazing picture. I mean, to be there, you probably would have gotten goosebumps, maybe even cried a little bit. But what a sight, what glory this was as Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. And the, the people that were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, had a mindset of, oh, I get what's happening here. He's fulfilling Zechariah prophecy in the Old Testament. And what Jesus is actually doing is he's going into Jerusalem to finally conquer and become the king that we've been awaiting for. And he's finally going to dethrone Rome from Israel. And we're finally going to have Israel back, our nation back, our king back, right? Right. Man, did they get it somewhat wrong in a sense. Because the king now, he arrives, but... And as they think he goes to take his throne and to conquer oppressors, instead... He's coming into Jerusalem doing something that he's done constantly, and that is to continue to be a threat to the Roman and the Jewish establishment. To every religious leader and to every Roman politician, he becomes a threat yet again to them. And this is now the last week of his life. 
He becomes this thread and we look at this donkey. We spoke about this last week and, and we automatically think that, oh, this donkey, it definitely, it's, it's, it's an entrance. It represents an entrance of peace. He's Jesus on a donkey. He comes in peace and, and yeah, that's what it means. And, and in a way you're right, but in reality it was more than just peace because as he was entering Jerusalem, last week we said, he didn't just come on a donkey to tell you, hey, here I am, the king of peace. He also comes in the donkey to remind us, I come to make war with the junk and the filth and the sin and the hurt and the darkness and the pain that's inside of all of humanity. And I'm going to make war with all those things in you. And in, in return, I will leave you peace. But first, I come to make war. You know, our king is a, our God, our, our Messiah, our Christ, this resurrected Lord that we celebrate today. He is a warring king. It's not in my notes, but, but I just love talking about it. There's going to be a day when he returns and he comes on that horse and he comes with a multitude of people. And he's coming as a warring king. And that's what he is. That's what he does. And we spoke about this Jesus as a threat. And we said that this threat, it's so easily, and they become targets. And as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he has a target in his back. He has a target, and we all know that targets are used as aim to shoot at. And as Jesus enters as this fulfillment of the king of all humanity, of the savior of all the world, he also has a target on his back. And he's taking a whipping. He's going to take a piercing. He's going to take a punishment. He's going to grab a hold of a target and carry it on his back that was actually meant for us. And he carries our target on his back. How many of you can say amen to that? Because I didn't deserve for him to carry my target. But he took our target and he took our punishment so that we can now receive his peace. And so that we could receive his goodness. He was struck. He was pierced. Church, he went to war. Where? Where did he go to war? I don't remember Jesus ever going to war. I mean, not yet. Not in the gospels. What he did. He went to war on the cross for our sin. So that in return, he could leave us with his peace. You know, I wrote this down, and I want to make sure that if you take notes, you write this down, and if you have good memory, that you remember this forever. But, but peace comes at a cost. Yeah. And the price of peace is actually war. I mean, study the history books. You, there was conflict, there was war to then bring peace upon the people. And, and peace comes at this cost, and it's war. I want to read a passage from Paul, and, and it's just one verse real quick, and it's Ephesians 5.2. And, and look what Paul says. He says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. For he loved us and he offered himself, but, but this is now where it all changes. <laughs> he offered himself, not like a king riding a donkey to take his throne. Look how Paul says he offered himself. Well, you say it. He offered himself as a what? Yeah, as a sacrifice. I mean, the wordage there is so important. As a sacrifice for who though? A, a sacrifice for us. But then there's a comma. And, and in that sacrifice, it, it becomes a what? A, a sweet smelling what? Aroma. 
It becomes a smelling aroma. It becomes a pleasing aroma to God. I mean, in the Old Testament, they would, they would sacrifice animals and, and offer up animals on the altar. And, and Scripture teaches us that as they would offer up those animals in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, and in the temple, that, that the offering and the sacrifices of those animals was a, was a sweet aroma, was a pleasing aroma uh, to God in His throne. And as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, as the Lamb of God... To die and take a target for all humanity. He becomes an aroma to God. And it's one that God says, I'm very well pleased that he's doing this for all humanity. If you remember when Jesus got baptized, he told all the crowds and John the Baptist, what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well, what? I am well pleased. One translation says it this way. He says, observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but it was extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. It's a beautiful, beautiful way of putting that. Love like that, it says. One translation at the end says this. Just as Christ also loved you, and he gave himself up for us, and offering a sacrificing to God, the Amplified, as it studies the, the, the scripture here, and it amplifies it. It says this. He was slain for you, so that it became a sweet fragrance for you. It's, Jesus' death became your perfume. Jesus' death became your cologne. You put on, the Bible says you put on Christ now. You put on the aroma. You put on Christ. Palm Sunday, Good Friday, the cross, Resurrection Sunday today. All of Easter represents Christ at war for our soul. How many of you could say amen? And we have the ability to have peace in our soul because of one reason only. And that is because he made war for our soul. How many of you could praise God that he made war for your soul today? Come on, praise him. He deserves it. He laid his life down for our soul. Our lives, our hearts, our souls came at a high cost. So when he entered this world, it wasn't a peaceful king. To take over his throne, but a warring king to conquer your sin and to win your soul. What a God we celebrate today. So why did I come up with this, the threat for the last two weeks? It was one man's phrase. One man's sentence. And when I read it, it rocked me a year ago. And from a year ago, I wrote it down on my phone. And I said, I want to share this on next Easter. And Tim Keller said this, and I want to read and quote him. He said, Jesus wasn't just a nice guy who did good in the world. You don't crucify nice guys. You crucify threats. And that rocked my heart when I read that. Because that's what he was. He became a threat for us. For all humanity. I want you to write this down if you can, but I shared it last week and I want to emphasize it some more today. And it's this. He became the threat for you in order to destroy the threat in you. Amen? Yeah. He became the threat for you in order 
to destroy the threat in you. In Isaiah 53 verse 5, Isaiah is, is speaking of the Messiah that is to come some hundreds of years later. And Isaiah says these words in verse 5. He says, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. And he was beaten so that we could be whole. And he was whipped so that we could be healed. Powerful. That he would say that some hundreds of years before. And he's teaching and he's talking and he's warning us of the threat that it was to come for us to defeat that which lives in us. You know, Paul, he, he writes something in, in 1 Corinthians 15. And I want to read it to you. I'm actually going to read verses 3 through 7. I'm going to flow through it. Follow along with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. If you like what we read, just give me a nod. Give me an amen. Because this is good scripture here. And this is what, what Paul says. He says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. And look what he says. Christ died for our sins, as scripture has said. Verse 4 says, he was buried and, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scripture said it was going to happen. He was seen by Peter and he was seen by all the others, by the 12. And then after that, we'll say after that. Yeah, he was then seen by more than 500 others. 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive today, and some though have died. Verse 7, then he was seen by James, and, and later he was seen by all the apostles. I mean, understand what Paul is writing there. First off, he, he gives us this gospel message, right? Jesus Christ died for your sin. Amen. amen. Jesus Christ was buried. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. We believe that. But then he raised from the dead on the third day. And it wasn't just like a, oh, here I am. He showed up to masses of people to reveal to them that the target, the threat that has been pierced is yet alive again. Yes. And that's what Paul is writing. If you remember last week, I, I, I spoke about it, but I didn't turn to it. In John Chapter 20, it says in verse 24 that, that one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, he was not with the others when Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared. So the other disciples come running to Thomas and they said, dude, you don't know what's going on. And you can read it on the screen. We, we've seen the Lord. And you can almost imagine Thomas, right? Like, Impossible. He died on the cross. We saw it, man. They, they put him in a tomb. We saw the massive rock that they rolled in front of the hole of that tomb. Impossible. He's like, no, no. Thomas, what you don't understand is like, we've really seen the Lord. He really did resurrect like he said he would. He showed up to us in the room and you weren't there, man. It stinks, but we saw the Lord and he replies and he, he says to the disciples listen to this I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands but it doesn't end there you know he's thinking about it right not only do I have to see the piercings you know what I have to touch them too I, I'm not if 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 I can't see in his wrist that which has pierced him and I and I, and I can't touch it for myself 
then I'm not going to believe it. I need to place my hand also in the wound where they, where they stabbed him in his side. I want to make sure that it's him. And I want to see if he really qualifies to be the, the son of God like he says he is. So verse 26 says, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas, he was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus is standing among them. And he comes in, and there's a reason why he says what he says next. Peace be with you. Well, what do you think? <clears throat> they locked the doors. And there's a stranger in the house now. Weapons are going to come out. I mean, Peter was probably going to attack him. But he walks into the room and he says, peace, peace, peace. You know, if maybe he was talking today, he'll probably be like, hey, chill, it's me. <laughs> I don't know if he would have said, peace be with you and all that. But maybe, hey, hey chill, it's me. And, and he warns them that it's him. And then he looks to Thomas and he says to him, because he already knows what's in his heart. He says, hey, Thomas, come and put your finger here and here look at my hands and put your hand into my wound in my side so that way you no longer be faithless so that's time for you to believe come over here and, and just touch me already verse 28 says my lord and my god Thomas exclaimed I told you last week that I was going to do something, but um, forgive me, I couldn't go to the shooting range this week. But my friend did. And I called him and I said, you have, a, you have the target that you went on the range with? And he said, yeah. I said, can I borrow it? He said, absolutely. So I brought his target. And, um, you know, it's very cool that, that Thomas was in the room and, and Jesus shows up. But, you know, Jesus was a target that was rolled up, just like this paper's rolled up. And he was rolled in a, in a, in a tomb. And, and, and as he was rolled up in a tomb, you know, it's, it's interesting because the Pharisees thought they had won. The Romans, uh, they thought they had won. You know, out of hell, every demon in the world and Satan himself thought he won. But on the third day, something very special happens. The, the tomb opens up and, and Jesus walks out of it and... And that which has been struck, that which has been pierced, that which has been put to shame, it, it goes from being rolled up. I don't know if you remember this. It goes from being rolled up, and then it, it goes to, to what? To be rolled out. And, and what's beautiful about this is this. There are many targets on, on this paper. But I like that there are many targets on this paper. Because there are many people in this room. You know what I'm saying? And every single one of your targets look different. Yeah, yeah, some of you are like, like really good, you know, you're super holy here. But some of you like need a lot of Jesus right here. Right? <laughs> Not just me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus just touched me a little bit. That's all I needed in my life. But this person like, well, I really need Jesus to really strike. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but he, he comes to Thomas and he says, Tom. Get over here, boy. And he says, come in touch. And, and Thomas walks up to Jesus. And, and he puts his finger and, and in the hole where Jesus was pierced. 
in, in the wrist where the nails entered. And, and his only reaction was, was, oh, my Lord, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, you know what I love? That Jesus is glorified, right? And many times they didn't recognize him in his glorified state, right? But yet he kept, he kept the holes in his body. That's weird. Because if I'm God and I'm going to kind of like glorify myself and I'm going to make myself look on you, I might as well just cover up the holes. I might as well just cover up the piercings, right? Make myself look fresh. Make myself look good. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting on the throne. I'm going to have angels bow down to me. Every single soul is going to bow down to me for all eternity. I might as well make myself look good. But instead, Jesus, he keeps the piercings. He keeps the holes. He keeps the holiness. And I love that because, because it's a constant reminder. It's a constant reminder that, that every time, even when we go to eternity one day, and we gaze upon him in his throne, and we bow before him in his throne, and we place our crowns at his feet before him on his throne, and our eyes gaze upon the hole on his side, or gaze upon the piercings on his wrist, it's a reminder that with every nail and with every whip and with every single bit of humanity that persecuted him and hung him on that cross, every single one of those holes preaches to us in all of eternity, this hole is for you because I'm madly in love with you. I was pierced for your transgressions, for your sin, and, and, and the target has been struck when it should have been you. I have allowed it to be me. Now come and touch and see that I am God. And he, and, and he rolls out the target. That, that, that which is kept hidden in a tomb, he now rolls it and reveals it to the world. I can now proclaim what no other false god and no other image and no other man or woman can ever proclaim. I resurrected on the third day and because of my resurrection, I am the true and living resurrected king. Everyone else bow before me. And he rose himself out. He's the only, only only self-proclaimed king like all these other guys were doing and all these other prophets were doing and all these other false messiahs were doing and they were claiming to be the messiah but guess what none of them none of them came up from the ground but there is one there is one that 500 others there is one that 12 others there is some that historians even wrote about and jesus was his name and he didn't just stay in the ground but he rolled himself out so that all humanity can know the threat is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The worst thing that could happen to anyone is to kill off your threat. And then he just shows up again alive. What is this, a Hollywood movie? How, how are you alive again? Because I... I pierced you. I know I killed you. I know I put you in a tomb. And how is it that you rolled out again and you showed up? Because I carry something that no other man carries. How can I put it for you? It's something called, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a special power that I have. It's like an ability that I have. You know, I always like to, I used to like to ask high school students all the time, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? 
Some, the athletes were like super strength. Some of the people were like super speed. Some awkward people were like, if I could just like be transparent, disappear. I'm like, mm. <laughs> what do you want to walk into? I used to always say, I want to transport. I don't have to drive anymore and get on planes. I always used to say that. So Jesus comes in. How is it that the threat is still alive? He said, oh, because I have like this, like this special ability. You, you might want to transport. You might want to become in, invisible. You might want to have super strength. You might want to have super speed. But, but my ability, my special power, I don't know how to put it to you this way. I guess the, the power that I relate with the most is I have what is called a resurrection. I have resurrection. What does that mean? Yeah. Let me explain to you what it means. No other man could have this. It's that when something becomes dead, I have the ability to make that which is dead, I can make it alive again. So what you didn't consider was that when you put me on the cross and you nailed those nails on my wrist and on my ankles and you put the thorns on my skull and you whipped my back with 39 lashes because 40 would have been murder and, and you did all these different things to me and you pierced me on the side and, and, and all the juices came out of me. What you didn't think about when you rolled me into a tomb and closed me up with a stone, what you didn't think about was that I will come back at you again because I have a power and I have an ability and it's called resurrection. So though, though you might shut me down for a moment, what you don't know is at any moment, I'm going to come alive again. And not only am I going to come alive, but because of me being alive, I'm going to make others alive with me. So now the Bible says, wait a minute. Now the Bible says that the same resurrection that raised up Jesus from the dead now resurrects us from the dead. We live forever. We're a threat in this world too. Angel, you can come. And you could stab me, and you could kill me, and you could put a bullet in me, and you could put piercings in me, and you could roll me away. Oh, yeah. But I promise you, when you blink and you enter into eternity, you're going to see me rolled out again because I will never die. I am in Christ, and I share the special ability. I share the special power, and it's not transportation, and it's not it's being indivisible, invisible, or indivisible. It's none of those things. The power that I hold is I hold on to his resurrection. So though I may die, I will live forever. The threat is now in me. Because Jesus said to his disciples, hey, I'm going to go now and I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father. And oh no, what do we do? What do you do? Don't worry about it. What do you mean don't worry about it? You're leaving us. No, don't worry about it. See, as I go to be with the Father, I send now a helper to you. And now watch this. The same spirit that was in me now is in you. So that which made me a threat now makes you a threat. Come on. The threat in you. Get up. Preach. Walk on places. Heal the sick. Cast out some devils. Watch how people shake before your presence. Why? Because if I resurrected, the same power is in you. The threat is in you now. Oh, he rolls it out. He makes us a threat to this world. He loves us so much. He becomes that threat for us to conquer that threat in us. And he met us where we are at, but he loves us not just to keep us there, but to, but to grow us from where he met us at. 
You know what? I wasn't going to share this. I have it in my notes. I was going to skip it, but I'm going to share. What were Jesus' first words after his resurrection? Anyone know it? John 20, 11, 16 tells it to us. And I'm not going to read it because for the sake of time. But the women go run to his tomb. And the tomb, it's open. So they're panicking, right? Imagine going home and your door is open. You're going to panic. So the, the tomb is open. And the women go in. And they're like, no, 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 I saw it. They laid his body right there on that stone. Ain't nobody going to lie to me. I saw it. And, and as, they, as they saw that his, his body was, was no longer there, they, they panicked and they began to cry. Because in their mind, they forgot about what scripture said. In their mind, they're like, oh, no, this is a big problem. Because what they were thinking was what? Someone stole his body. And then they probably were thinking, wait a minute. Scripture says that he was going to resurrect. So someone stole it. So that way to hide the resurrection. And they began to cry. And they began to worry. They were filled with, they were just distressed. And they go tell Peter and all the other boys. Pete, boys, we just came from the tomb site. And um, the body's not there. Can you imagine Peter? Like really, can you just imagine that? What do you mean the body's not there? And the Bible says they run, they run to the garden tomb. They're running there. Can't wait for Israel 2018. We're going we're gonna to run to the garden tomb together. But, but, but they're running there. And as they're running there, Peter and everyone sees, oh, my God, the, the body's not here. And the women are just crying. Jesus, in his resurrected state, stands before the woman. And he says, dear woman, in, in this passage in John 20, and these are his first words after his resurrection, he says, dear woman, why are you crying? Did you catch that? He didn't say, I'm here. He pointed it and he said, why are you crying? It's interesting that Jesus would say that, that he's worried about humanity after his resurrection. It's interesting the symbolism here because he's in a garden. And as he's in a garden, he's asking a woman, why are you crying? It's interesting because it was, there was another time when there was another garden. And the first garden that we learn about, there was another kind of woman. And that woman's name was Eve. Remember her? And Eve was in a garden, and if you don't know the story of Eve, she did some wrong. She took of a fruit that God told her don't take it. Not that the fruit was bad, but the disobedience was bad. In, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 13, the Lord presents himself before the woman at the garden. And the Lord asks the woman, what have you done? The first woman in the first garden, he says, what have you done? The second woman in the second garden, he asks, why are you crying? Two different questions. What have you done? Why are you crying? See, because the result of that question was, what have I done? Well, you know exactly what I've done. Sin has now been brought into this world because of my disobedience. But now thousands of years later, he resurrects and he's at a garden again. And there's another woman there. And he asks her a question and he says, why are you crying? It's amazing because the first woman, through her actions, sin entered the world. 
But the second woman, through her actions, he's confirming that I came to conquer the sin that entered this world. So, so what have you done, woman, in the first garden to the second garden of, woman, why are you crying? And I want you to notice something because he's resurrected now. He's super glorious now. He doesn't take away the tears from the woman that is, that is crying in the garden. But instead, he asks a question, why are you crying? Because he's, instead of taking the tears away, he was there as an answer to her tears. Totally different. You see, because you might be here on this Easter Sunday, and this might be the one phrase that was meant for you today. That you may feel like he hasn't taken away your tears yet. But he is assuring you today that he is the answer to those tears that he recognizes and sees that you shed every day. So you might be crying saying, God, where are you? And he might be right before you saying, woman, man, I'm right here. Why are you crying? You see, the tomb is empty. So when you ask God, where am I? Understand that I'm before you. I'm presented. I'm rolled out. I am near. I am right here before you. My presence is here. And I'm going to ask you a question now. Why are you crying? Because I might not take away your tears, but I will reveal through those tears that I am the answer for the reason why you cry. Now that's powerful to someone who knows how to cry because of my sin, because of I'm inadequate, because I'm, I have low self-esteem, because I'm, I look at myself a lot and I say I'm, I'm not good. And God says, Rigo, why do you cry? It's powerful that in resurrection power, he asks that. Because one day in Revelation 21.4, it says that at the end, in the eternal kingdom, when we all reign with Jesus, it says, God shall wipe away all tears from every eye. And then he goes on and says, there will be no more death, no more sorrow, and there will be no more crying or pain. All things are gone forever. And when you hear that question and you read this promise, I recognize that what I'm about to say is true. That there is power in resurrection. And when he cried, it is finished on the cross. That doesn't just mean that his life and that his earthly ministry had ended. But it also means that our life of tears, that us being conquered by death and sin, that the holes and the void in our lives that need to be filled, that that too is finished, that the threat of all of that is over, and he has met you where you're at, and he asks that question to you. And as he asks that question to you, he now transforms you, and he wants to make you a threat into this world that you now live in. Because there is an eternity, and there is a resurrection in whatever tear, and whatever pain, and whatever trouble that you carry today before the presence of God. And that's what he's revealing in the second garden. There's a resurrection in that tear. There's a power in that. So I ask, why do you cry? I'm the answer to it. There's a threat now that's in you. Woman, why do you cry? Come on. There's so much more that I want to do in you. Peter, why do you look for the dead among the living? Come on. There is so much more I want to do in you. Come on. Disciples, what are you doing over here? I told you that this was going to happen. There is so much more. Hey, can you say this real quick? There's so much more he wants to do in me. I wonder if you believe that. Because in John 15, 18, 26, he goes on a long spiel. And he says, I want you to remember this, that if the world hates you, uh, it first hated me. 
If it persecuted me first, know that it will also persecute you. If they looked down upon you, remember that they first looked down upon me. In verse 26 he says, but after all of that I will send the advocate, the spirit of truth. And he will come to you from the Father and he will testify all about me. Jesus is basically telling his followers, if you go through it, know that I went through it first. If they crucify you, know that they crucified me first. What he's really telling them is, the first threat was me. So that when you become a threat to this world, understand that that, that threat in you it came from someone. And the threat in you, it, the threat in you, it, it came from me, Jesus says. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. You know why I'm cool with that? Because of what John says the chapter right before. Jesus says this. In John 14, and I'm going to end with this passage. Verses 12 through 14, Jesus says, The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but they will do even greater things. Like a father could maybe say that to his son. A big brother to his little brother. A Jordan maybe to a LeBron. I don't know. That was a bad comparison. <laughs> but when Jesus says these words, the person who believes in me will not only do what I'm doing, but they will do even greater things. Okay, I'll, I'll, maybe if I put it into a picture, maybe you'll understand it more. Have you ever spoken something out of your mouth and you created like a whole universe? Did you, have you... Have you ever spoken out of your mouth and just created like earth? You ever spoken out of your mouth and just created like a human being? And, and yet, asking those kind of questions, Jesus says, hey, if you believe in me, not only will you do what I do, but, but you're going to do even greater things. And then he says, because I'm on my way to the Father and I'm giving you the same work to do that, that I've been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I'm going to do it. And that's how the Father will be seen, for he is in the Son. And then he says, I mean it. I read John 15, and I read John 14, and I read about the the threat that Jesus was and the piercings that he took for us. And he stood as a threat before us to take away all the stuff and the threat that was in us. But now, as he resurrects, it changes. He says, not only now do I take the threat from within you, I place me, the person of threat, my presence, the Bible says, it now lives in you. So when the threat used to stand before you, now, in believing in me, the threat lives in you. So I've done some great things, haven't I, in all the 
fathers are like, absolutely. He says, well, check this out. You won't just do what I've done, but you're going to continue it. And greater things than I've done, you will do. What is he really telling the disciples? What is he really telling the followers? That which is in me is now in you. Now go do what I've done. I've left the threat in you. So that now you could go up to others who are lost. And you could be a threat to the darkness in their lives. And to the sin in their lives. Maybe today there's darkness and sin and hurt and pain and bitterness. And all these different feelings and emotions and stuff in your life. And today there was a a gentleman that God used up here today. To speak a life into your heart. To reveal a depth of who you are. And right there, what that signifies is God used that person to become a threat to that which continues to have you bound inside. And in releasing you from that, he now calls you to do the same and greater things and to be that threat before others. How many of you could say amen? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. If you could stand as we get ready to end. Because the threat is now in us. And as I read these passages, because of his resurrection, I don't just do what he did, but I do greater things. How many of you believe that in your life there's greater things? How how many of you believe on this Easter Sunday that that there was a resurrection that you celebrate and, and, and there was a purpose, there's a purpose in you and because of that there's now a purpose for you and this purpose for you now is to carry the same threat to the world so that now you could testify and that you could proclaim the living king. And maybe you're here and you needed to know there are things in your heart There are things in your life. There are things in you that have been a threat for too long. That have been conquering you and defeating you and you're just in a dark place. And today the Lord appeared to you. And he says, don't you see the paper that he showed you? Thomas, come and touch touch the holes in my body recognize that I'm him I took your punishment I took that darkness I took that pain that you feel I stand before you to conquer those things in you but you see when I take that stuff out of you I don't leave you empty I now place my presence my spirit in you and the same powerful thread of truth that I carry The threat of hope for the hopeless. The threat of love for those that are bound in hatred. The threat of reconciliation for those that continue to war with each other. The threat of of peace to all of those who are in turmoil. That spirit now lives in you so that when When you enter those people's lives, you don't only do what I did, but now you could do even greater things. 
now, now, now through your words and through your life in me now you could you could snatch souls that that hell was about to swallow and now you could present them before me where they will live in eternity and victory with me I've seen the tears and I ask why do you cry because I'm the answer to that I'm the resurrection in all of that and from the first woman that caused the sin to the second woman who is tearing up I'm, I'm telling you that everything in between I've seen it and, and, I've, and I've purposely overcome it all and I've fulfilled it so that that way when I now appear before you resurrected as a threat I now place it in you so that you can live in the same boldness that you can live in the same likeness that you can live in the same joy, in the same power. Because, because what was in me now, it's in you. I didn't leave you empty, church. I, I didn't leave you here hurt. I didn't leave you here in pain. I, I'm going to put something in you. I'm going to fill you if there's emptiness in you. If there's darkness, I'm going to fill it up and, and flood it with light. If, if you feel like you can't one more day, I'm going to remind you that you can for the rest of your life uh, I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm now living in you and that which you always looked before you now lives in you now I know I'm not just a religion I'm, I'm not just a figure on the cross I'm actually a person in your heart I'm actually a person in your soul I'm actually a threat to all of humanity still I want to win I want to win your soul I want to win their soul I want people to come into my presence there's a threat in you. There's a threat. Let's worship the Lord. And let's say, Lord, fill me with your goodness. Lord, fill me with your presence. Lord, fill me with your resurrection. Lord, let that threat that stood before me, now let it live in me. And let me now walk out of this building today as bold as a lion a threat to this world so as we sing this song if that's you and God spoke to your heart just lift up your heart lift up your hands and begin to worship your king and begin to cry out to him I'm running to your love.